What's up, guys, and welcome to QB1 Episode 1 History. Today's show is presented by BetMGM, where you can enjoy your favorite sports like never before. Sign up using bonus code MILLER, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. BetMGM offers parlay specials and boosted odds every day. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code MILLER and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Guys, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to be back wearing a headset, podcasting. I've missed it, to be honest. And I'm super excited to be here today to talk to you. If you're listening early, using the Colin app, welcome in. It's a good time. I was a little late to the show today, actually. I scheduled it for 1 o'clock, and at 12.55 Central Time, I got a phone call from someone that I can't say no to when they call me because they work in the football industry, and so you're always wondering, wait, what's going on? What are the, What is this phone call about? Turns out it was nothing that exciting. I'm sure something that will probably work its way into this show as we get going down the road. So what is QB1? I'm sure you're all wondering. You've probably seen some tweets about it. You're like, what the hell is QB1? What is the calling app? QB1 is my step back into podcasting. Hopefully you've listened to podcasts from me in the past, whether it was Stick to Football at Bleacher Report, Two Guys, a Girl, a podcast after I left BR, and now this. And it's it's really been a transition from learning how to podcast at Bleacher Report to the, I, I think, great show we did at Two Guys, a Girl, on a podcast to now where for the first time I'm actually stepping out and doing a solo podcast. So it's it's going to be a transition. It, it definitely is. It's going to be fun, though, and I'm excited to really dive in and, and talk about the quarterback position, how it's evolved from when I first started scouting back in 2010 to what it is now. And along the way, you're not just going to hear from me, but you're going to hear from people who work in the NFL, NFL scouts, coaches, general managers, NFL players, private quarterback coaches who are doing this with prospects basically every day, whether that's in the lead up to the NFL draft or refining those tools in the off season. So there will be a lot of different voices on this podcast in episodes two through 10, as we do what I'm calling a docu podcast. I I don't know if that's a real term or not. Maybe, maybe we trademark it after this, but I'm excited to, really walk through the progression of what the quarterback position is now and step backward almost to how did we get here? How did we get to guys like Kyler Murray who essentially break every quarterback rule that Bill Parcells and Bill Walsh laid out to being the number one pick and maybe an MVP favorite, at least MVP candidate at this point. So I will encourage you to download the call-in app. It's free and it will allow you to interact with this show today. We're not taking callers during the show, but we will be in future episodes where you can listen live as I record it. So you can listen to all the mess ups that get edited out later, but you can also interact. And that's something I will be doing down the road is allowing you guys to step in and ask questions after the show is recorded. So I think that'll be uh, hopefully a good time for everyone. I think interaction is always a better thing than just kind of screaming into the void. I like it better when we can all hang out and interact. So let's jump into what QB1 is I have been fascinated by the quarterback position for as long as I can remember. It is something that I think all of us have watched college football and watched a player and thought, why is he not being viewed as a top prospect for the NFL draft? 
I'm a Texas fan. I can remember watching Colt McCoy and wondering why, why is he not seen as a better player or, you know, back in my early days, watching a quarterback at Michigan named Tom Brady, and then wondering why Mel Kiper wasn't talking about him in the lead up to the 2000 draft. I think we all have that experience, right? Of liking a player and not knowing why they're not viewed higher. So what I want to do in this 10 part series is really start at the beginning of at least the modern quarterback position and walk through to what it has become and talk to those guests and experts to figure out why it changed and maybe where it's going next. You know, the NFL has really started to follow the college game. And that's something that you're going to hear a lot about on the show is how college changed and that made the NFL change. And for me, my college viewing days, I don't actually know when they started. I've been watching football as long as I can remember, probably like a lot of you. But I can tell you that the year I was born was one of the greatest quarterback drafts of all time. John Elway went first overall. Jim Kelly was a top 15 pick. Dan Marino was a first rounder. Three Hall of Fame quarterbacks in one draft. And the reason I'm taking you way back in time to when I was just a, well, I, I wasn't even born yet. That was just the year I was born. But that quarterback class is all about big arms, successful college careers, pocket passers. In the early 80s and early 90s, even, teams were throwing the ball about 25 times a game. It was not the air raid offense that we see now. So quarterbacks had to be strong-armed, big in the pocket, able to run play action. And you really want them to be what we would consider today to be pro-style. And that was the case in terms of what teams looked for for the longest time. Now, let's not forget that Steve Young, Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young, many people saw him as, I don't know that he can play the NFL at the quarterback position. Great athlete. Maybe he's a fullback. But he's not a quarterback. So this view in the 80s was you got to be six foot five, strong-armed, and be able to play from the pocket. In 1983, we saw that in the NFL draft. Go forward in time 10 years. From 1983 to 1993, we're still seeing it. Drew Bledsoe, the first overall pick, because of his strong-arm ability to play from within the pocket. The, that dynamic ability, basically, of you can stand in the pocket and throw the ball 70 yards down the field. That's what we want. That was 1993. 94, same thing. Heath Schuler, Trent Dilfer. 95, Steve McNair, Kerry Collins. And Steve McNair is, is maybe where there's an exception because of his mobility. A small school player out of Alcorn State who is one of the best college quarterbacks that I've seen to this day. Maybe a small exception. We're starting to see, okay, Maybe things are viewed differently. What I consider to be the turning point year is 1999. In 1998, we had the two most prototypical pocket passers drafted, number one and number two. And if you're screaming at your radio or phone right now listening, you're right. Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf. The quarterback you know, controversy that, that no one will ever forget, basically. And they are the two players that I think with Peyton Manning, he is in my generation at least, the picture of what the quarterback position used to be scouted like. Four years at Tennessee. Went back for his senior year. Six foot five. Pocket passer. Smart. Good arm. Limited mobility. So 98 is really the last year where we had this, oh my gosh, you have to be six four, six five, strong-armed, play in the pocket, three to four-year starter. Things started to change after that. 
1999, for the first time in NFL history, three black quarterbacks are drafted in the top 15. Donovan McNabb, Akili Smith, Dante Culpepper. Now, obviously, some different levels of success in those three quarterbacks. But we can look back at this time and say, ah, the NFL's changing a little bit. Mobility matters. Donovan McNabb is viewed by young quarterbacks today as really the guy that paved the way for their style of play. I did an interview recently with Michael Vick, and that, that's what he said. I, I asked, who did you model your game after? Because you're the guy that everyone models their game after. But who did you watch? And his answer was Donovan McNabb. Without Donovan McNabb being drafted number two overall, without Donovan McNabb playing as well as he did, Michael Vick does not happen, in his own words. But Vick did happen. Two years later, he's the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. So from 1999, really until now, we've seen this slow snowballing progression of what teams look for at the quarterback position. We've seen it change. Now, of course, the six foot five, tall, white, strong armed quarterback is still valued in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence just went number one overall. But athleticism and mobility of position really started changing at that point because of Michael Vick, because of Donovan McNabb. And really, it's been a constant ever since. Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers in 2005, both very mobile coming off the West Coast as quarterbacks. 2006, Vince Young, the number three overall pick, ahead of Matt Leinart, who's one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, ahead of Jay Cutler, who at Vanderbilt uh, was not quite the Jay Cutler he became in the NFL. But we, we saw this change to where athleticism mattered almost as much as everything else. Now, that was 1999. So from 83 to 93, no change. From 93 to 99, gigantic change in the NFL, the way they view quarterbacks, what they want from these guys. Mobility becoming so important because we still had 300-pound linebackers like LeVon Kirkland. Small exaggeration. And when you had Michael Vick back there, LeVon Kirkland can't run him down. So the NFL is still in an era of size on defense, size and muscle. And offenses are saying, well, if our quarterback's as fast as our running back, we're going to beat you every time. And that was the case with Vic. Now, in 2011, here's where I believe things really started to change. If you can remember back 10 years ago, college football at that time was the read option. Everyone's running it. Texas and Oklahoma are just killing people with it. Auburn's running it with a quarterback named Cam Newton. And whatever you think about Cam Newton, the personality, the NFL quarterback, Cam Newton changed the NFL because he comes in and the player drafted 36th overall in this very historic quarterback class. Cam Newton first, Colin Kaepernick 36th. Two, what you would say, controversial players off the field. But on it, they changed the NFL they and the read option changed the NFL. Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick with their strong arms and their mobility, they start running all over people. Colin Kaepernick takes the 49ers to a Super Bowl that they lose to the Baltimore Ravens. Cam Newton takes the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl. And from then on, the NFL has never been the same. I can remember sitting in, in Indianapolis, Indiana at the NFL Scouting Combine in February of 2013 and watching Every beat writer in the country asked players like Matt Barkley, Ryan Nassib, and Landry Jones if they could run the read option. 
That's how much in just two years, Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick, and to some degree, Russell Wilson, who was a third round pick in 2012. That's how much these guys changed the NFL with that ability. Now you could also, and some of you are probably thinking, what about RG3? Yes, RG3 absolutely plays a role in this, but his success was so short-lived. It's really hard to throw him on the Mount Rushmore of mobile quarterbacks who changed the NFL. Obviously, you know he has aided in paving the way for these guys. But when I think of the long-term success and continuity, it's Cam Newton first and foremost. And then what Colin Kaepernick did for that short amount of time in San Francisco that really made it possible for what we have in the NFL today. So that 2011 NFL draft, you're probably thinking back it's like 2011. That wasn't wasn't the best NFL draft of all time, but it was so influential in what we see in terms of how the game is played today from the read option to the RPO. It, it's just been a, a fun transition to watch, but the play of Cam Newton, again, think of him what you will. The play of Cam Newton was a huge part of where the quarterback position is today. It allows someone like Johnny Manziel to be drafted. 22nd overall in 2014. It allows guys like Marcus Mariota to be the number two pick in the draft. And it really has just set the stage for what we see now to go from Donovan McNabb in 99 to Cam Newton in 2011 to now looking at players like Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and their mobility that is combined with the strong arm and the athleticism. So you can look back at this development going from you know, the, even the Randall Cunningham's to Donovan McNabb, Donovan McNabb to Cam Newton, Cam Newton to Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, even further, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. It's been this amazing transition of looking for a finished product to now what we see where teams are oftentimes drafting for traits over fit. And I don't know that we've seen a better example of that than the 2021 NFL draft where we saw some teams bet on traits, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, over production, Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And time will tell who was right. Are the Patriots right for looking at Mac Jones and saying, you don't have the strongest arm and you're not very fast, but you do everything we need at a very high level, and that's all we need. Or are the Jets and Niners right for saying, let's bet on athleticism, a strong arm, and a player who can create on their own. Because maybe, just maybe, you have the next Kyler Murray or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And that, really, to go full circle, is the entire point of this podcast, is who's right and what's next. Now, to take you incredibly full circle, I mentioned earlier that when I got into the business in 2010, there was this view on quarterbacks that you really looked at What Bill Parcells, who was the godfather of NFL offenses, thanks to what he did in Cincinnati and then in San Francisco as a head coach, that so many people were trying to latch on to, borrow from, and learn from. So when I decided that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, I was, okay, well, let's learn from the best. Now, Bill Walsh was not answering my phone calls or emails at that time as I was trying to learn. So what I did was read as much as I could from Bill Walsh, books that he had written, uh, seminars he had hosted. And, and Bill Walsh had these quarterback rules. And what I used to do every quarterback draft class, and, and maybe this is something we all need to get back into, was how do you draft a quarterback? What do you look for? Now, the game has changed a lot since Bill Walsh 
was coaching. Whether at, and his return as a president of the 49ers as well. The game's changed a lot. But what you look for in the position, maybe it shouldn't have changed as much. I think we can look at Tom Brady as a pretty good example of what worked in the year 2000, 2001, still can work in 2021. But Bill Walsh thought that the ideal quarterback was six foot three, 210 pounds, and it really is built on instincts and intuition. That he thought those were the two areas that made a very good quarterback a great quarterback. And you're all probably nodding your head thinking about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Yeah, instincts and intuition. Pa- Patrick Mahomes and his crazy field vision. That's instincts and intuition. Now, you can teach a lot of things, but Bill Walsh did not think you could teach instincts or intuition. And there's a great passage in one of his books that said, if throwing a ball were the only aspect of playing quarterback, this would be the easiest position to evaluate. However, because of the dynamic role he plays on the team, a quarterback must have physical, mental, emotional, and instinctive traits that go well beyond the mere ability to pass a football. A great example of this, Ryan Leaf. Amazing thrower of the football. Jamarcus Russell, one of the best arms ever drafted. But it was that dynamic role that those players had to play. That's why they failed. And that's something so important to remember. Something that's so hard for us in the media, those of us who are fans, even people in the NFL, is to crack the code on that dynamic role that the quarterback plays. That's the hard part to figure out. Are they dialed in? Are they competitive? Are they instinctive and intuitive? Walsh also thought the quarterbacks had to be courageous and competitive. And anytime I go back and read, like I did a couple of days ago, preparing for this podcast, when I read Bill Walsh's rules for a quarterback, it's crazy to me how much I see Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, the competitiveness of those guys with the chips on their shoulder, obviously one being the 199th pick in the draft, one being the 10th pick in the draft. But we've all seen Mahomes count on his fingers to nine, the nine players drafted ahead of him. And we've seen Tom Brady basically carve out a 20-year career being the seventh quarterback drafted in 2000. So that competitiveness is hugely important. And obviously, there's physical standards. I've always said with quarterbacks and physical standards, it's like being a kid at an amusement park. You have to be this tall to ride certain rides. That's how I view a lot of the physical standards for NFL quarterbacks. You got to be this tall to ride the ride. Your arm strength has to be this big. It doesn't matter if you can throw 80 yards, if you can't throw with accuracy, timing, and touch. It doesn't matter if you can run a 4-3, if you can't throw with accuracy, timing, and touch. So that's one of the most important things that when I look at physical attributes, it's you just got to be good enough. It's that instinctiveness, intuitiveness, intelligence, those three eyes that are like the most important part of how I evaluate a quarterback. So those were Walsh's rules, and they're pretty dang good to live by. Bill Parcells, notably not known as this quarterback savant, but he actually had a pretty good set of commandments as well. And these were written 30 years ago, but I think they actually apply to the NFL in some ways today. But there's there's four rules, basically, that Parcells had when, when looking at a quarterback. And this shows you where the NFL was in that time, 30, 25 years ago. You must be a three-year starter. You have to have at least 23 wins. You must be a senior. You must be a college graduate. You can look at that list. There aren't many dudes that fit that criteria anymore. Now, Peyton Manning 
fit that criteria. Last year's draft class? Nope. Trevor Lawrence was a three-year starter, but he wasn't a senior. Justin Fields was a two-year starter. Zach Wilson, a three-year starter, but he wasn't a senior. Trey Lance was a one-year starter. Mac Jones was a one-and-a-half-year starter. So the game has changed from these Parcells rules for drafting a quarterback. Now, Parcells had a lot of other thoughts on the quarterback position that I'm sure we'll get into in terms of like what this guy should be like on and off the field, basically. And it's all incredibly valuable when trying to look outside from outside in to what a team needs, right? Because those of us who've never played in the NFL, we just have these ideas of what the quarterback is supposed to be like. And Parcells and Walsh and others have had great thoughts on what should this player be? What does he need to have? What traits need to come in uh, to the quarterback position? And that's part of why in this 10-part series, we're going to bring in people who play the position. We're going to bring in people who scout, evaluate, and actually draft the position. There's nothing wrong with being an armchair quarterback. We all are. But it'll be incredibly helpful, I think, to have those other voices come in and say, this is actually how we evaluate the quarterback position. This is why Mitchell Trubisky gets drafted over Patrick Mahomes. This is why Tua gets drafted over Justin Herbert. It's why Lamar Jackson falls to 32 overall. And on the other side, it's why teams believe in Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. It's why teams believe in Kyler Murray. And I think that's what makes it fun because no position in all of sports is more heavily analyzed or criticized than the quarterbacks. And for those of us who evaluate players for a living, no one position is more of your resume than your quarterbacks. You can go through Twitter mentions of every draft expert who you see on your television or who has a a large following on social media. It's all about the quarterbacks you hit or miss on. And it's, it's almost your resume uh, when you work in the, the draft industry. So it will be, I think fun and entertaining to hop in throughout the next 10 episodes to look at this and to dive into some of the philosophical questions. I was having a conversation two weeks ago with someone who works very high up with an AFC team. And we were talking about the quarterback position and how we were Malik Willis has these great traits, the quarterback at Liberty, but he hasn't been very productive. And so the question becomes somewhat about supporting cast but also about do you draft his traits and try to fit them to your scheme or do you draft a quarterback who fits your scheme and try to coach around his limitations maybe? And I think, again, we can look at 2021. That's the Mac Jones versus Zach Wilson conversation or the Trey Lance versus Mac Jones conversation. The 2022 quarterback class, which we're going to spend a lot of time getting to know and talk about, is a lot like that too. Do you draft the traits of... Matt Corral and Malik Willis, or do you draft maybe the readiness of Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter? It, there, there maybe is no right answer. And for every team, it could be different. One of the age old questions is what if the Chicago bears trade up for Patrick Mahomes? How different is the NFL right now? Sorry, bears fans. How different is the NFL? If the bears trade up for Mahomes, or if the San Francisco 49ers who did not have a quarterback in 2017, What if they draft Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson? How much does it change things? So we'll have some fun with redrafting. We'll have some fun with quarterback philosophy. But mostly this 10-part series is going to look at how the modern quarterback is built. And episode 10, I'm actually going to give you my ideal quarterback based on the traits that we talk about and what we learn from the, the experts that come on 
over the next several episodes. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to have an opportunity to talk to you guys, the listeners, uh, via the call-in app. I'm excited to talk to some of these experts that we're going to have on, people like A.J. Highsmith, who is a Bill Scout, played at the University of Miami. His father is a legend in the scouting industry. My good friend, Dan Orlovsky, who I think is the best in the game at breaking down quarterbacks. Quincy Avery, Jim Nagy, Jordan Palmer, uh, just some of the names that will be hopping on here over the next nine episodes. And just a reminder, as we kind of wrap things up today in episode one, you can always listen live and early using the Kyle Lynn app. A future episodes, you'll be able to hang out after the episode and ask questions and interact. But you can also always find QB1, the podcast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify after the fact. So if you're looking to get this, maybe while taking a Thanksgiving drive to the in-laws, it will be out there for you. Uh, but first and foremost, you get that early access using the call-in app, which is free to download, and you can find it in the show notes. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out today on the first test run inaugural episode of QB1. If you're looking for more ways that you can interact, there is also the Draft Scout Show where I'll be doing a lot of AMAs as we hit the road this year for All-Star Games, Combines, Pro Days. We'll be using this app to do a lot of live type of interactive events like AMAs or running through mock drafts. Uh, it's really unlimited, but I'm excited about it. Hopefully you guys are as well. Hopefully you will download the app and don't forget our sponsor bet MGM, where you can use code Miller to get a nice little perk in your first wager this weekend. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back next week with episode two and my buddy, AJ Highsmith from the Buffalo bills talking about his days at the quarterback position and just what they saw when they brought Josh Allen into that room, uh, which was a pretty controversial pick at the time. At least I remember it being one. So we're going to talk to AJ about that and what he sees as the future of the quarterback position. But for now, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for hanging out.